Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is your host, Sophia Renea Morales, and I am here with the amazing and wonderful Linda Lang. But before we swing into this conversation with Linda on changing our world from the inside out, I would like to invite you to get to know the insides of yourself a little bit better. I, My clients, many of them would tell me, oh, I don't have any gifts. I wish I was gifted like you or whoever their favorite astrologer or reader was. And so I created this quiz to allow them a mirror to look in so that they could see their giftedness, their uniqueness, uh, and would better be able to release the desire to have gifts like somebody else and really lean into their own gifts. So I'd like to invite you to take this quiz and gain that insight for yourself. The quiz can be found at superpowerquiz.us. And now that we have that introduction handled, I would like to introduce you to Linda Lang. She's an emotional alchemist and gifted spiritual healer. By bridging energy, medicine, intuition, and guidance, Linda helps us align with our true self, release what no longer serves us, and hone our gifts to step more fully into our power and purpose. She's a fourth-level initiative of Huna Shamanism, a master practitioner of NLP, trained in hypnosis and a variety of other energy and e-psychology techniques that bring self-awareness and transformation. She's also a channel for the Diamond Ray, the Triune Flame, sorry, Heart Flame, and the Tao Healing Hands. Linda also has a podcast called Exploring the Mystical Side of Life that delves into the worlds of spirituality, mysticism, and metaphysics. Welcome, Linda. I'm so happy to have you on my show with me. Thank you so much, Sophia. It is absolutely my pleasure to be here with you today and the listening audience. Yes, and I enjoyed being on your show so much. I felt like you really needed to come and be a guest so we could dig into some of the amazing uh, synchronicities that we share. So tell me a little bit about where you started. Have you been dialed in all your life or did you go through a period of what I want to say disconnection from your inner magic, your psychic gifts? Well, that's a really interesting question, actually, Sophia, because I do think I have been dialed in all my life, except I didn't realize it. I didn't recognize it. When when we have a gift, just like in your intro, when we have a gift and it's so natural for us, we don't know that it's a gift and we don't know that other people can't do or see or hear or know what we do. So it's a bit of a conundrum. But let's say the experience I had in my early 20s really opened me up psychically and spiritually. And I had a better insight then of my youth and and the gifts that came with that and a lot of insight about my life as well. So when I was 22, I was 
married. I had a young baby. I was very happy. I remember telling God, telling the universe that my life is perfect. I don't want it to change. You which, threw down the metaphysical gauntlet with that one, didn't you? <laughs> oh, gosh. And did I, did I get it? Did I get it? So it was probably a week or two after that. And I started having an issue with my leg. I went to my doctor and she said, oh, there's like a little lump there. It's probably just a cyst. So it turned out to be a very rare and aggressive cancer. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Like everybody's yeah. worst nightmare. Well, especially when you're 22 and you you have a husband, a baby, and you don't want your life to change, all of a sudden, everything changes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you've gone from this is amazing. I can, I could live my whole life this way to your life might be a whole lot shorter than you realize. Yeah. There's nothing like looking at your own mortality when you're young to yeah. really shift things um, in your mind, for sure. Well, at any age, I would say, um, there's something about getting a diagnosis like this that really puts things into like sharp perspective all of a sudden. Yeah, it's a challenging path to go. But I always tell people I had so many gifts, I, I don't regret it. I don't wish it on anyone. But it really opened me up to some beautiful, beautiful gifts. So here I was, 22. Yeah, I, had... I was going to say, so tell us how the opening up went, because a lot of us struggle. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, I wish you a much gentler, easier opening. But 22, I was uh, given a year to live if I didn't have my leg amputated, which I chose not to do. If I did they gave me a 50% chance of living five years. And if I lived five years, I was probably good. So, you know, yeah. the odds were just really and, very And looking intense. at you now, I don't know your name, your age, sorry. you It's nothing you need to share necessarily with our audience, but I will say you've definitely blown away both of those predictions. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. But what happened for me, because as you can imagine, my whole world was turned upside down. And oh, I, sure. I, I really went into, you know, a lot of fear and, and, you know, terror, essentially. And yet, I immediately connected with a really powerful spiritual place inside me. And it was like I knew, I knew that there's a solution to every problem. And it's somewhere. And in my fear states, I would get metaphysical experiences, visitations, uh, reoccurring dreams even that guided me not to have the surgery and guided me along my path, took me to some beautiful, beautiful places and gave me a deeper understanding of my own true spiritual nature. Yeah. And I wonder if you would be willing to share with us uh, what one of those dreams was like, because a lot of us look at our dreams and go, well, does it mean anything? Or I just, you know, had too much pizza and beer before I went to bed. <laughs> oh, I highly encourage you to delve into your dream world, because especially the ones that you remember and have emotion with, right? Yeah. So there was a recurring dream that I 
I live near a train and I lived near a train uh, when this situation happened. And in my dream, I went to the train track and laid down on the train track and put the offending leg on the track as a train came by. Wow. As if that train was going to cut it off. And there was so much emotion and so much energy. And again, I had it over and over again. And a dear psychic friend of mine said, why did you decide not to have the surgery? And because she said, if I had that dream, I would have interpreted that I needed to have the surgery. Yeah. And the energy of that dream was, if I have the surgery, it's going to be like I was hit by a train. Mm-hmm. It was just going to totally destroy my whole life. And it's so interesting because years later, I went through the psyche, a healing yeah. modality training. That, that was one of my first introductions into the energy world was psyche. I love that you mention it because I don't hear much about it. So wow. for the listeners who aren't familiar, tell us what psyche is. Well, psyche is a way of shifting beliefs uh, in your unconscious mind. And it is the system that Bruce Lipton, the renowned cellular biologist, biologist. who wrote the, the biology book, of belief, the yes. biology of belief, exactly. Uh, that's what he used uh, way back when. So this was probably, I don't know, early 2000s. Yeah. And he was time. actually my introduction to Psyche. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's perfect. It's perfect. So I've done, you know, both the training, the advanced training. And uh, in that training, there is an exercise. I don't know if you remember it, Sophia, but we we live our birth, we live our best death, and we live our worst death. Mm. Do you remember that? I did not go through that particular exercise. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, it is much, much more difficult to be born into this world than it is to leave even your worst possible death, which is mind-blowing. But of the 50 people that were in the course, every single person had that experience. And my best death was dying of cancer with my family surrounded because I had my leg cut off. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Isn't that interesting? Yes. So I'm sure now my best death is different, right? Well, yeah, because you didn't (laughs) choose that exit. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Let's hope I didn't choose my worst one. But, uh, you know, even if I did, it wasn't as hard as coming here and being this immensely beautiful, intelligent, wise spirit trapped in this little body that you have like almost no control over. Yeah, a little tiny, frail, easily extinguished. I'm actually going through the whole physical frailty thing right now with my father. And just in the last couple of weeks, he went from tooling around and kind of doing whatever he wanted to do to I can't, I can't manage, I can't hardly face the stairs. And so, yeah, we, we're going to have to make some choices. Yeah, I'm sure it's challenging at, at the la- latter parts of life 
for some people, and it can happen so quickly, too. Oh, yeah. Dad likes to say, uh, old age is not for sissies. <laughs> well, there is an alternative, but like... <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. I Personally, I'm, I'm drinking the whole cup. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that is, that is really something. Mm. So at what point did you make the decision not to amputate? Was it before or after you talked to this friend? Oh, I, it was, it was far before that. I actually had a visitation uh, that um, just totally completely shifted there was this beautiful golden orb that came through the ceiling one night as I was you know lying in bed crying it was so dark it was so dark I couldn't even touch my nose like I couldn't see my nose if I brought my hand I could not see my my finger it was ridiculous how dark it was and this beautiful golden orb came through the ceiling and stopped right in front of my face and then went up my nose cartilage into my third eye and took me to a totally different dimension. I was in, I was just surrounded and infused by this incredible universal love. It was like the ocean and, and there would be a wave of love and you think that's as much love as there could be. And then there'd be another wave and another wave. It just was incredible and brought me so much peace. And when I came back out of that, depression, not sorry, mistake, mistake. <laughs> when I came back out of that visionary experience, it was really like I fell out of the garden. Mm. You know, it was it was just like, unbelievable. But I had such a sense of how much love there is for me for each one of us, how there is no judgment. There is no kind of you did wrong, so you're not worthy or it's just incredible. And I really wish every person could have a taste of that divinity. Yeah, that's beautiful. And was that the moment of decision for you or it informed your decision? Absolutely. That that totally shifted things for me and that would probably have been not even a week after the diagnosis probably about three or four days after and uh, you know some people thought I was kind of crazy that I, I would... was going to ask I yes. was, how how'd your family and your community take that because that you're really bucking the system here really bucking the system and I'm an internal processor so I didn't you know shout what I was going through at the mountaintop let's say or off the mountaintop I told a very select few people I did tell like I didn't even tell my parents I told my parents I had cancer and you know and I would be okay but I didn't tell them the diagnosis or any of that I told two sisters, of course, my husband knew, you know, and just the odd person. And part of that was because I didn't want to fully embrace the story. I didn't want other people to step into that story and then project yeah. 
that onto me. I needed to share it with a couple of people that I really trusted, but I did not want it to become my identity. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a wise choice because people do send the energy of what they expect onto you. And it can be harder to hold a space for yourself to heal in <laughs> if other people are poking holes in that space all the time. Yeah. So what did you choose to do instead of amputation? Because obviously oh, you're still here. <laughs> I knew immediately, I knew immediately uh, at that time, my brother had become involved with an, an MLM herbal company and learned ah. how, how to muscle test, right? And we all thought he was crazy and that he had joined <laughs> a cult, seriously. <laughs> Well, and, and some of the early MLMs seemed quite cult-like in their enthusiasm. <laughs> but I knew, I just knew I had to go see him. And so I did. And he's like, I can't do this for you. You know, you're my sister and I'm emotionally attached. So yeah. he took me to his upline and um, we muscle tested all the herbs. And I came out with an armload of herbs let me tell you I'll bet you did <laughs> I did um, but it was perfect it was I had a he healing uh, reaction let's say that I knew it was doing something and uh, keep in mind my family lived about six hour drive from me so when we got back home and you know I'm taking the herbs and when I started to run out I asked the company if there was another distributor in my Closer. city yeah yeah that I could buy from because I wasn't really interested in you know yeah becoming a an ML I had other things I had bigger fish to fry bigger right? fish to fry than multi-level marketing yes <laughs> exactly and so I did and it was a um it was actually a college for alternative healing that oh. sold their products so I went to them I they didn't muscle test they didn't replenish any of the herbs hmm. that I had originally muscle tested on. And keep keep in mind, your body has wisdom. Your body oh yeah, and it its needs evolve, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and your body knows what it needs to heal as well. But they didn't do any of that. I think they did like saliva testing, and I can't remember what they all did. Maybe some iridology. But essentially, they took me off all of the herbs that I was on and recommended totally different products. So I'm like thinking, okay, they're, you know, they're a college, they train other people, they must know what they're doing. Well, lo and behold, this particular cancer that I had, had a sign that if it was growing, you got a rash on your abdomen. Mm. And didn't I get the rash? Oh, my. And I'm like, okay, none of that's working. So I went back to the company. I signed up uh, to be in a distributor. Know, a, yes. I, I didn't distribute, but I did it for myself. And I learned, my husband and I learned how to muscle test. And eventually that changed into me learning how to read the energy. So I knew what I needed. But so I knew it was growing. And we were able to, you know, reverse that and dissipate. Yeah. 
And uh, what role did your allopathic doctor play in this, if any? Or did you just go, uh, thanks for the the expiration date and catch you on the flip side? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, I, I know it was hard. I had a woman surgeon who was, you know, preparing, right? And she called me. She called me three times and really tried to, to guilt me uh, into taking the surgery because she truly, truly believed that that was the only way. Well, I, I mean, that's what that's what they're trained to do. They call it hack slash and burn. <laughs> yeah. And, and exactly. that's that's the approach. They cut it out, they poison it, or they zap it with radiation. Those are yeah. really the three options that allopathic medicine has. And there are moments when those are the right choice, and there are moments when they aren't. And I yeah. love that you heated your body around that. Yeah, this apparently was one of the moments where there was another option. The whole thing was really a miracle story. She couldn't actually believe that I had cancer because I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I was like the epitome of health. And here I had this crazy thing happening to me. And, you know, she sent the cells back three times because she couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, you know, it is what it is sometimes, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. At what point did you recover from the cancer? What was your sign that it was gone? Or did you ever get a sign it was gone? (laughs) I I guess I'm breathing. So that's my sign. I can't actually like pinpoint a time. I can say that for the first two years, I was very cautious and very nervous, you know, still held fear about it. The first year, because that was the time frame they gave me, and the second year, in case they made a mistake, right? You know, Dang, and then right. after that, yeah, no. maybe there was yeah. margin of error she didn't share, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And well, and you know, I, I love that you were able to put that prognosis aside. I think that's one of the worst things that allopathic medicine does for us right now is we come in and they're like, oh, well, this will be your destiny if you don't follow what I tell you. And even if you follow what I tell you, this other thing might still be your destiny. Uh, It's good to have information and to know what you're facing, but this, you will expire in six months or a year or two years I think does people a huge disservice. Yeah, because nothing is written in stone. I would like to invite everybody who's joined us today for the show, grab your pen, grab your piece of paper, and think about three wonderful ways in which your body supports and heals itself. And it it could be something as simple as, you know, your paper your paper cut closes. You don't need stitches to do it. It just closes on its own. And just write down some of these amazing ways in which your body rebalances itself, heals itself, and hang with us. We'll be right back from the break.
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Hey, beautiful soul, Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to tellzofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A dot com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's tellzofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827 and let me know. How has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you, and go out and live soul first. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I'm still here with the amazing and wonderful Linda Lang, who decided to pass on amputation of her leg as a treatment for her cancer and managed to intuit her way through healing. So... Tell us a little bit about how you moved through that phase of your life. Where was the moment where you're like, I'm not worried anymore. You said worried at two years, worried a little bit at, uh, worried at one year and a little bit at two years. I think after the second year, I probably released that potential path, Mm -hmm. um, so I had a lot more stability, let's say, and confidence that, you know, everything was working out very well. I had really developed my spiritual life. That's that's like the first place I went to when I had the diagnosis and then and then tried to listen to my body. I did more than try, actually. I listened to my body and found alternative practices, let's say to support my healing. Um, what, yeah, what it were became some a lifestyle. Of the, what were some of the practices that you found and, and applied for yourself as you moved through this? Uh, for sure. So I I absolutely stuck with the herbs for um, 
for some time and it shifted, right? Because I learned how to muscle test, which is a way of learning how to communicate with your body. And I highly recommend that. Oh, uh, me too. It's one of my favorite tools to give people who are early on their path because I th- a lot of us get these intuitions, but it's hard for us. Well, is that an intuition or is that a brain thought, right? And I find that muscle testing gives you a way to kind of sort through that. And so it's one of my favorite tools. What else is in your toolbox? <laughs> now, the only other thing I'd like to say about muscle testing is that the trick is to not be attached to the answer. Because as exactly. soon as you have an attachment, you won't have a clear muscle test. Exactly. So I, is- I tell people to step into curiosity about the answer, not, exactly. well, I think it should confirm this or confirm that, but curiosity about the answer. And if you can't stay in curiosity, that's the moment to go to somebody else and <laughs> say, I need you to muscle test for me. Exactly. Because if you really want that piece of chocolate cake, there's a part of you that will be strong on your muscle test for sure. So, Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Detachment is so important. And then aside from that, I would see energy healers. I would meditate every day, spend time developing that kind of spiritual side of myself. It, It just became a way of life, really. And then all of these, you know, wonderful doors started to open. Yeah. So so where did you carve out the time in your day to do the meditation? Because you're still a young mother at this point with a toddler. I'm still a young mother. I had an amazing husband, still have an amazing husband, uh, who, who was, you know, just incredible and such a support. I took several months off of work. And then when I went back to work. I only worked part-time. So there were times through the day, you know, when my young child had his nap or went to play at the neighbors or whatever, there were always opportunities. And I do think that we can create those opportunities for ourselves. Time was different then too, because there weren't smartphones. There wasn't, I don't even think we had internet in the house. Like, I mean, it was a different time where we didn't have so much technology. Yeah, fewer distracting devices. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So there's time. And if it's important for you in your life, you will make time. And that's the only way actually you ever quote unquote find time is to carve it out of your schedule. It's highly unusual to just run across empty time moments because we we're trained to kind of reflexively fill those empty moments. I know in my in my own healing practice, right, there are moments where life happens and the client cancels at the last minute, that kind of thing. And you always have a choice in those kind of moments, what you do when you redeploy that time. And I have to be honest with myself and say that oftentimes I redeploy that time into some other form of business work, <laughs> as opposed to choosing to go, okay, life said I needed a break right now, so go and take that break. And that's one thing that I'm working with myself on right now. It's like, you know what? 
you need to reconsider or consider more carefully how you redeploy this this quote-unquote found time. Yeah, that's true because if you don't heed it, eventually your unconscious mind will create another way where you must take that break. Yeah, absolutely. And it's never fun. <laughs> you don't want it doing that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. I love that. So when did you discover that what you're doing is healing from the inside out, creating your life from the inside out? Because clearly you were doing that, but we don't always recognize what we're doing in the moment. I think when I started to have a really clear understanding of the power of our thoughts, the power of our beliefs, and the stories that we tell ourselves and all the emotion and energy we hold about those stories, which is all of those things mm -hmm. really are inside things, right? Yeah. And when we can shift that, and feel lighter and more expansive and more joy and more happiness, how we perceive life changes, the choices we make changes, our expression of ourself changes. It just seemed obvious to me that the changes I needed to make were on the inside. And as I started to make them, then I started to notice changes around me with the other people and it was most interesting to me as a spiritual student let's say that uh, i could positively influence the world around me by making shifts within myself i love that give me an example of of one of those for you an example of one of those things so um, maybe the one I would, the one that popped into my head is that like years after when I've done my work, uh, my guides popped in and told me that I had been storing all of the resentments that I had been holding on to in that leg that mm -hmm. they wanted to amputate. And that would have been one way I could have released them because had I done that, then it would have been like my heart would have opened and I would have, you know, let go of any grievances, let's say. Uh, but I chose to actually do the work instead, keep the leg and do the work. And as I did that, I had such deeper relationships with the people in my life, I had more compassion for people in general, let's say, and I could see shifts in their behavior because of the shift inside myself. Mm. Beautiful. Oh, I love that. So I have a question for you, okay? Much of what you've done is your own emotional work. Uh, you've been meditating, which is talking to the subconscious mind oftentimes in the language that it understands, which is feelings and images and these sorts of things. Does someone have to actually believe in 
like energy healing kind of things for them to get a good result out of participating in these practices? I would 100% say no. You don't have to believe, but you have to be willing to entertain the possibility. It's that energy of curiosity again. If you really don't think it's going to work, you are sending that message to your unconscious that you you don't want it to work. Yeah, You're not open to it working. So I, I know myself as a healer, I've worked with people that didn't really believe in energy work, but they were here because they needed help. And they had help because they were willing to entertain the possibility. Yeah, I, I oftentimes am called the healer of last resort <laughs> because it's like my clients show up, they're like, I've tried everything that's supposed to work and it hasn't. And so I've got nothing left to lose. Let's just give this a go. And I think if you can come in with that attitude of, we're going to give it a shot. I've heard good things about other people. I'll just try. It's one of the times when having that attitude of, well, I'll just try, is, I think, useful. Yeah, I think a lot of people that aren't used to the idea of energy healing, they kind of get this idea that it's like, poof, you're cured. You know, it's like here's your miracle. Yes. <laughs> it's a standard that Jesus set for everyone, right? By, you know, just touching them more or sending them a glance and, and poof, they were healed. And I'm not saying that that is not possible because I totally it believe it is. Totally is. And I, I think that's where the you have to believe kind of almost shows up. You have to allow in your possibility of your world that that can happen. And I think that's the difference between the people who get what I call a divine feminine miracle, which is one of these process miracles. I took herbs, I changed my lifestyle, I started meditating. Um, I'd call that a divine feminine miracle versus a divine masculine miracle, which is they scanned me today, I had cancer, I got my miracle and tomorrow I don't. Uh, because I've seen both things in my practice. And I think from what I've seen, the small sample of clients I have, small relative to the massive number of people in the world, um, I think that's really the difference in which one you get. And I think the biggest indicating factor of which one you're going to get is, are you willing to actually let go of whatever cause that in the first place, whatever emotion, belief, story you're telling yourself, as well as, obviously, the path that your soul has chosen for you in this life, right? right? Yeah, I love that. So we talk sometimes about miracles and magic and this kind of thing. What is your definition of, let's start with miracle? Yeah, I think that a miracle is something positive, unexpected, and better than you can imagine. Mm. I love that. And how is miracle different from magic? Magic, I think, happens all the time. 
all the time. It's just that mostly we don't recognize it. To me, things like synchronicity oh, yeah. is magic. To me, it's like the fabric of the universe weaving itself for my benefit to fulfill my needs or the needs of those around me. How do you invite more magic into your life? Because I know some of us, if, if you were talking to the 20-year-old version of me, I'd have been like, my life is way not magical, right? <laughs> I, you know, I was living in a, a dump and on a pittance and scrambling to make all the ends meet. And your circumstances can get pretty, pretty rough and pretty intense. How do you start to invite magic forward when you're feeling distinctly unmagical? Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. The illusion of this world can be very heavy at some times. But it's so important to remember that, you know, everything is temporary, right? The energy that we put out is the energy that we get back in. So first of all, once again, be open to magic and be grateful for the magic that shows up that you know you're having a really emotional day and all of a sudden one of your friend calls and lifts your spirits that's magic that is magic you got what you needed in that moment look at all the good things that you have in your life and and really be grateful for them I would suggest to look at life through the eyes of a child, just like the Bible says, that you have to be like children to get into the kingdom of heaven. The eyes of children are innocence, awe, wonder. This is such an incredible, incredible place, this earth that we live on. And we can find places to remind ourselves of how beautiful it is. Yeah, I love that. I love that. The, one of the things I have liked to use for myself um, is, well, there are two principles that, that go on. One is you tend to chug d by default down whatever track it is that you're on. That's kind of the default thing to have happen. And the other is what you put your focus on kind of changes your perspective, right? Because we can see all, there is all of this data. We can't see it all at once. We have to kind of choose what we're going to focus on. And so I, when I'm in a space that's challenging like that, I like to first recognize, oops, I'm in this space and I don't really like being here. <laughs> and then I remind myself that there are good things around me, so let's go look for those good things. And even if it feels like there aren't, there actually are. And so I have to take a moment to move into that curiosity again. It's like my shifting ground, curiosity. Okay, and then I start looking at the things that I have that perhaps people in the developing countries don't have. That's a good place to start because even being broke and poor in the U.S. is better than being broke and poor anywhere else in the world. Um, and so I start to look at, well, I have 
I got a roof over my head. Check. I'm breathing. Check. You know, my my fingers and my toes and all of that are working to the best that they can. Check. And and just start with the really fundamental stuff. Because there are many people who aren't even enjoying that right now and I I use that as my jumping off point. Yeah, you can really pinpoint, right? Kind of hone down to something, even how beautiful a flower is or how magnificent your cup of coffee tastes. You can focus on minute, minute details, or if you can find that level of joy or peace in your surroundings at that moment, look at the big, big, big picture about how incredible the earth is and how amazing that we all live here and this earth supports us and that we float around the sun and we have oxygen, we have water. Like what kind of miracle is that? Yeah, absolutely. If you look at this, the odds of life ever emerging, they're just astronomical. And so, yeah, what a miracle that any of us are here. The ants or the humans or even the earth itself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They say happiness is an inside job. So it is totally an inside job. It is not a destination. <laughs> I know a lot of us are raised to think that happiness happens when, uh, but it doesn't. Happiness can be cultivated. I can't and should be cultivated in every moment because it's it's not waiting for you at the destination when you win the Emmy or complete your book or the kids are raised and out of the house. It's it's available to you in every moment. And if you do put your happiness outside of yourself, the second you attain it, you immediately need something else outside yourself to continue the happiness. Yeah. That's beautiful. So we're getting down towards the end of the show here, and I know you brought a gift for the guests. So would you like to share with us what your gift is? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Sophia. I brought uh, a little e-guide. It's called The Seven Signs You're Out of Alignment to help Ooh. you recognize when you you step out. Because so often we don't realize we're moving out of alignment until we're in the depths of it. Right? Yeah, we're quite a ways down that road. Yeah, Exactly. And this guide also has some tips and tricks to help get you back in alignment. So that once we are in alignment, we can listen, we can listen to our intuition to our internal guidance system, we can make the choices that are important for us to make or support us in creating the life that we're here to live. I can't think of anything more important than being in alignment, having our higher self, our subconscious or unconscious and our conscious mind all moving in the same direction. I can't think of anything to help us yeah. propel on our path more than that. That's beautiful. It, and it's one of those things that has to be looked after. Uh, remaining in alignment. It's not like you you fall into alignment and, and you're there forever. Any more than going through an awakening experience makes you enlightened for the rest of your life. 
Exactly. It is a work in process to always make the choices that are in alignment. And, you know, you make a choice that takes you out of alignment. It's not that hard to get back in. So I don't want to leave anyone with that impression. Instantly, you can get back into alignment. Yeah. Well, it's it's like the autopilot on a plane. You, you put in the coordinates, but the plane is constantly correcting for the environmental conditions, the wind and all of that sort of thing in order to stay pointed where it needs to go. And that's a lot of times what we need to do to stay aligned with our life and our purpose is to make those little adjustments here and there on a daily basis, an hourly basis, and check with our intuition because it will keep us, it will keep us going where we need to go if we look at it. Exactly. I love that. So you can get the link to that material at sovereignself.media. Linda Lang's contact information is out there along with the link to the ebook. So we've got two minutes left. What would be the one thing you'd like everyone to take away from this conversation today? Um, only one thing. Let's see. Um, maybe I could squeeze a couple more in there. First of all, your body has wisdom. Learn how to listen to it. Learn how to listen to the reactions, the physiological shifts in it. How are you breathing? Do you feel expansive, contracted, things like that? That can help guide you. And the second thing, most important thing, is to remember that you are loved more than you can imagine. And there isn't anything you can do to change the love that the source has for you. That is awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Linda. Well, being my pleasure, Sophia. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you to everyone who's joined us today in this conversation. I do this show for you. And I really love to hear from you. So shoot me a quick line at AskZofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A at transformationspace.co. And just let me know, what did you enjoy about the show? Are there topics you'd like to see me discussing down the road or people you think should be on the show with me? Just let me know who you'd like to see and anything else you'd like to share. I do love getting your email. And until next week, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here 